Well, we are very good friends. There isn't anything that we wouldn't do for him, each other. And why do we get along so well? We never do anything for each other. <laughs> Open your Bible, please, to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And if you're familiar with the book of the Philippians, Paul is writing to the church in Philippi. And those of you that know this book, it's a short book, just four chapters. And the theme of the book is joy, and if there's a church that I enjoy going to, I'm going to say it right here, and we're being recorded, and there'll be others that might take offense, but I love coming to this church. This is a happy place. You are happy people. It's like you're thankful about something, and I think it's because you love that spiritual exercise that we often do together in this church. You do it better than most churches I'm in. And in case you haven't ever engaged in that spiritual exercise that I'm referring to, you're going to love today just because of this spiritual exercise. The Bible says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Hallelujah. We have something to be thankful about. I'm going to help you with that. Look at the person next to you and repeat after me. Don't look at me. Look at the person next to you and repeat after me. Say, I am so glad... You know, that would be good for a Presbyterian church. Come on, let's, let's get some zeal and some vigor into this. Say, I am so glad that I do not look like you. Amen. Now, how many of you meant that? Raise your hand. You meant that? Yeah, yeah I'm glad too. See, we can be thankful about something. This is truly a happy place. The Apostle Paul, the theme of this book is joy. And if there's a joyful church, I mean, even your pastor's wife is named Joy. I mean, how much, how much better can it get than that? Before we get to Philippians chapter 4, there's a passage in Philippians 3 that is often misapplied. Uh, and it sets up chapter 4, and so I want to refer to it first. Look in verse 13 of chapter 3. Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And usually we take those verses and we apply it to people that have gone through difficult times. Am I speaking the truth? We say, we got to forget those things which are behind. Uh, we just had a horrible year. We just had a horrible month. We had a horrible week. We've had a horrible life. We're going to forget those things and move on. But the Apostle Paul is not talking about a bad year, a bad month, but rather just the opposite. He said, I've accomplished this. I've experienced this. I've done this. God has used me for that, but I'm putting all that behind me, and I'm going to press on. No matter how good the church has done in 2019, and just from an outsider standpoint, coming to this church, number one, you haven't gone backwards, or at least not to me. The attendance continues to grow. The spirit of the church continues to grow. The camaraderie amongst the men is wonderful, and I'm presuming so with the ladies as well. But I'm telling you what, we've got work to do yet. And we can't live in the past. We can't say, wow, that was a great year. Or that was a great five years. We've got to continue to press on. God's desire for your home and for your personal life 
is to continue to grow. God says, grow in grace. We're not to lay dormant. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's a continual process. We're to give all diligence and add to our faith. But you know as well as I do, whoo, it just seems like the mountains get taller. The load gets heavier. The flesh gets weaker. The mind is slipping a bit here and there. And the world seemingly, even in our great nation, is amping it up against us. Surely God doesn't expect us to do more when there's so much more going against us. Oh, but he does. And next Sunday, you get your vision Sunday. I'm excited for you. I can't wait to hear what the vision was. I hope somebody, since your pastor is so rudely not sharing with me (laughs) what it's about, I'm hoping somebody, I was trying to bribe the staff, his son-in-law out in the lobby. How much money you need? I, I I wanna tip off the church a little bit this morning. We're gonna need some power. Let's stand together and read one verse of scripture and I wanna chat with you this morning to launch launch this church ahead, ready for Vision Sunday next week. Many of you can quote this. Philippians 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I think some of you got that memorized. Let's say that again. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Now this time when we say it, let's emphasize two words, all things. You ready? I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. This time let's emphasize two different words, through Christ. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Now this time let's emphasize two other words. I can. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Man, that's a huge encouragement. If I had to count on my energy and my strength and my abilities and my network of friends to turn America around, I'd be in a heap of trouble. But I don't have to go on anybody else's strength but God. And this morning, some of you might say, wow, how are we going to turn America back? We're just a small little congregation in southeast Florida. We got our hands full here, let alone with the entire nation. Let's just start right here in southeast Florida. And today I want to challenge you with this sermon. We can do better. A little better is better than no better. You don't have to give a million dollars, but you can give a little more. And a little better is better than no better. 
you can you may not win 50 people to Christ this year, but you could win one. And a little better is better than no better. You may not be able to read four chapters in the Bible every day, but you could read one verse. And a little better is better than no better. So today I want to challenge you to get your heart prepared to receive what your pastor wants to lead the church to do this coming year. Prepare your heart. We can do better. Father, I'm going to do the best I can to teach and preach your word a little bit. And I pray that you would help me. And as pastors already asked and others have prayed, that I would say just the right thing. But Father, more importantly, that they would hear what the Spirit has to say to the church and that we would be very attentive to what you say to our hearts today and that we would just have a little bit of revival this morning for it's in Jesus name I pray amen you may be seated a little better is better than no better I don't typically use videos but this is such a this is a better illustration than I would verbally share with you so gentlemen if you could help me out Share the illustration that I have for us this morning. One degree difference. Are you listening? As a church family, one degree difference. A little better is better than no better. And I want to encourage your church to concentrate on the fact that God may not want you to go and take out an entire army but there might be one victory that he needs for you to handle this year. Are you with me? Yes. 
All right, let me give you a two-point sermon. Normally I have three, but they're just too long of sermons, so I'm cutting it back to two. By next year, I'll be down to one. (laughs) So that wasn't the time to say hallelujah, brother. The only time he's awake through the whole service. (laughs) I want to give you two thoughts this morning. Why it's so imperative, why it's so important that you do better this year. Number one, it keeps you from going backwards. Are you listening to me? I think all of us, if we'd be honest, we don't stay still in life. You're either growing in grace or you're backsliding. People, I'll just take time off. Well, David did that. He should have been at battle, but he took some time off. But he did, he did it at a very poor time. What happened? He didn't just stay there and rest. He went backwards in his Christian life. And I would suggest to you, you may slow down for a little bit, but our pilgrimage to the celestial city should always be characterized with constant moving toward the high calling of the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep moving forward. If we, if we don't do better this year, we're going to slip backwards. I think the best illustration I can give to you from Scripture would be found in Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 22. We read of the church in Laodicea. How many are familiar with the Laodicean church? And you know what was the characteristic of that church? It was lukewarm. And God said to that church, because you're lukewarm, I I will spew you out of my mouth. Could I put it in the language of today? God is saying, because you're not hot, you're not cold, but you're lukewarm, You make me sick. In fact, earlier, verse he says, I would rather you be hot. Well, of course he would rather us be hot. But he also said, I'd rather you be cold than lukewarm. Because we're we're trying to play play the game both ways. Otherwise, we want a little bit of hot water, a little bit of cold water, and we're lukewarm. You want to be a little bit of churchy, a little bit of God, but you want a little bit of the world as well. And that produces lukewarm churches. And God says, I I would rather you be hot or cold. If you're cold, then everybody knows you're living in disobedience to me. A visitor that comes in will know this is a cold church. They're not in the will of God. They're not judging. They're not condemning. But they know where this church is at. And someone that's on fire for the Lord wants to be in a church that's on fire for the Lord. But God says, but when you come in and you see some that are hot, some are cold, it sends out mixed signals. And God says, that makes me sick. I'd rather you be hot or cold. Well, that lukewarm church, if you study that in Revelation chapter 3, anytime that you backslide, you're going to lose some things. They lost their vigor. If you remember, it says they were wretched, miserable, poor, blind, naked. They lost their zeal for the Lord. Has there ever been a time in your life when you were more on fire for God? If there has been, that indicates you've cooled off a little bit. And I think each of us that name the name of Christ, especially those of us that have been saved for years, even decades, we know what that's like to be on fire for the Lord and to cool off. 
to be on fire for the Lord and to cool off. And we know that what God is saying is absolutely true. When you cool off, you lose your energy to serve the Lord. How many know what I'm talking about? Preacher says, let's go. And you're thinking, oh my, I'm tired. What? But when you're on fire for the Lord, it's, hey, let's go, baby. I'm ready to take on the world. Boy, when you don't keep moving forward, you lose your vigor. Not only do you lose your vigor, you lose your values. You lose your values. There's only two things that last in this life for eternity. The souls of men and the word of God. And when a church cools off, you know what's the first to go? The fervency of God's word. Instead of quoting scripture, you'll be quoting statistics from sporting events. Instead of sharing what God did in his book, you'll be sharing what man is doing in Washington, D.C. Are you with me? I'm saying when a church is on fire, they are hungry to hear and to talk about the Word of God. There was a generation in my lifetime, and there's still some churches like it today. You have men in the church that are just common laborers, some executives in corporations, and yet those men can handle the Word of God nearly like a preacher. You know why? They're hungry for the Word. They're on fire for the Lord. But when a church cools off, our interests are now placed in other things. And we lose our vigor. We lose our values. That fire for God's word slips and our vigor for souls. I'll tell you what bothers me or what bothered me when I was pastoring our church in Chicagoland. When we'd go two weeks, three weeks, sometimes four weeks and not see a soul saved. But you know what bothered me worse? Not one of my deacons came to me and said, Preacher, what are we going to do? We haven't had anyone saved in a month. And I'm thinking, am I the only guy here that is concerned about the lost? When we lose our fire for the Lord, we lose our values. Our value system slips away. We start valuing our building and our programs and our appearance more than what God values. For God so loved the world. God loves souls. Do you realize that more than likely in this room today, there's a man or a woman or a, a boy or girl old enough to understand there are heartbeat from a devil's hell and we're thinking about the things of this world and God is concerned about that soul that is a heartbeat from hell I'm just saying that when we cool off when we start going backwards we'll lose our vigor we'll lose our values we'll lose our vision we won't be able to see God and we won't be able to see reality we begin living in this Disneyland Christianity. Do you realize that we have brothers and sisters in Christ that are giving their lives for Jesus Christ today? Not in America, 
but around the globe. And today, Christians, they bail on God, bail on church because of the smallest little offenses. I'm saying when we're on fire for the Lord, we won't, we won't be distracted by the things of this world. As the songwriter said, we'll turn our eyes upon Jesus. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I'm saying that if we go backwards, we'll lose our vesture. And boy, we see this in so many churches today. Vesture, that's our clothing. Our clothing of righteousness. Churches today look just like the Miami Beach. You talk about immoral dress, immodest dress. And I understand that lost people don't know how to dress. I understand that. But listen, God's people ought to know how to be moral in their dress. Their lives, not just their physical clothing, but their lives ought to be dressed in moral righteousness. I'm just saying today, we need to move forward. We need to do better because it keeps us from going backwards. Secondly, we need to do better because it keeps us going forward. Nobody follows a parked car. I tell that to husbands a lot. You're to be the leader in your home. You expect your wife to follow you, but it's hard to follow a parked car. You've got to be going somewhere. And listen, church, if we will do better, it will help us keep going forward. We don't want to slip backward, but we don't want to get off track. We don't want to get on a tangent. We don't want to go in another direction. I think I can say it for your pastor. I know him well enough. We're not interested in the methods or the music or the manners of the world for the church. We don't need the tools of the world. We have God's tools. And if we have the power of God, who can stand against us? Let me point out three major areas that we should go forward, and I'm going to camp on the last thought for application. Number one, we need to go forward in the church's priority. What is the priority of the church? I'll tell you what it is. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Unto him be glory in the church, Ephesians chapter 3 tells us. I'm suggesting to you today the priority of the church is to glorify God. If it's, a, if it's a fellowship, we're going to glorify God. I tell our men when we play basketball at our church, hey, the Bible says whether you eat or drink, whatsoever you do, do all the glory of God. That includes basketball. So if we're going to play basketball, we're going to glorify God. And you say, how can you glorify God playing basketball? Well, you start by not cussing. I've played at the YMCA. They cuss every dribble nearly. Now, if I was as lousy as them, I probably would too, but uh, since I'm so wonderful, <laughs> I'm just saying, everything we do, whether it's vacuuming, cleaning, whether it's teaching Sunday school, whether it's setting up chairs, whether it's soul winning, whether it's changing a dirty diaper in the nursery, hate that job. 
We're to glorify God. Everything. The church should be all about God. Yes, we love our facilities. Yes, we love our people. Yes, we love our pastor. Yes, we love our music. But that's not what our church is about. Our church is about God. And when you come into this place, we want you to know whose side we're on. We are on the Lord's side. That's who we love. That's who we're going to serve. That's who we're going to give to. That's who we're going to honor. The Lord himself. Our church's preaching needs to move forward. And quite frankly, having the guest speaker you're having today has already put you in the right direction. You're going forward. I don't mean by necessarily just a preacher here. There's, there's several requirements that indicates good preaching. Oh, yeah, you've got to have a godly sower. Matthew 13, you, you have a sower, you have a seed, and you have a soil. But all three make up for great preaching. Godly sower, he, he needs to be prepared. He needs to be passionate. We've got the guaranteed seed. That's this book here. This is guaranteed. God said, my word shall not return unto me void. This is it. We don't have to speak Aesop's fables. We don't have to quote all the great intellects of our generation or the generations past, though I'm not against intellects. But we're here for what does God say? That's the guaranteed seed. But we've got to have good soil. You know, I can put corn seed on your parking lot out here. It's not going to bear fruit. You know why? Surface is too hard. And when you're preaching, you can have the best. I've preached the same sermon in di six different churches and had six different results. What's the difference? Well, the preacher is a little, he was on his A game today. Oh, no. He was on his A-game all six times, but six different soils. Are you with me? Yes. You know, sometimes it, it's, let's be honest, we're a church family. Some Sundays the week is over and you think, that was an okay week. I don't know why that is. I'm, I, I'm a pastor. I understand that. But there's just sometimes it's a, there's a lull. And I don't know if it's collectively, I don't know if it's because we're affected by our culture, the time of the year, the heat, the cold. Uh, but there's just times where there's a lull. But then you get a week where it seems like a fire is lit. The next week, it's a bigger fire. Next week, bigger fire. And you're thinking, wow, I wish we could do this all year. We all do. But let's keep the lulls to a minimum. Let's don't plan on laws. Let's recognize when they happen and say, hey, let's don't stay here. Heavenly Father, speak to me. Our church needs revival. And I can't make those people over there get revived. And I can't make those people over there get revived. But I can avail myself for revival. Speak to me today. And as we used to sing as teenagers, it only takes a spark. 
to get a fire going. Are you listening? Good soil. Now, here's, here's the emphasis for the message this morning. We want to do better in our purpose as a church. What is the purpose of Bible Baptist Church, Pembroke Pines? The purpose is to make disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're in business for. We're not in business for anything else. You say, well, I thought we were here for worship. You don't have to come to church for worship. Are you with me? But if we're here, we're going to worship God. He's going to receive glory in this place. That's our priority. But I can worship God at home. The man that says, I can worship God on the lake. I don't have to go to the church to worship God. He speaks the truth, although he's applying it wrongly. He's implying, I'm going fishing today. And who are you to tell me I can't worship God on the lake? Why do I have to be in a building to worship God? I can do both. Lukewarm. I can do both. I'm an Ohio State Buckeye fan, as most spiritual men are. Back in 2006, I got to go to what was called by ESPN, which, by the way, is God's revelation to us that we should watch some TV. You do know that means the Extra Spiritual People's Network. ESPN declared the last game of the season of the Ohio State Buckeyes as the game of the century. We were only six years into the new century. Five years, seven years, however, number, 2006. Ohio State was undefeated, rated number one. Michigan, oops, I cussed in church, sorry. I, I didn't mean that, it slipped. The Wolverines, the, the team up north, they were rated number two, also undefeated. The only two undefeated teams that year and the last game of the season, they meet every season. We had 101,000 people. I got to go into that stadium. The first and only college game I'd ever been to. I was sitting into the second to the last row in the upper deck of the end zone. And yet the energy in there was incredible. You know what was cool about it? We got there two hours before the game. I'm not making this up. How many have ever been to a college football game? Anybody? Okay, then some of you, it wasn't near as good as this, but you'll understand what I'm saying is true. We got there two hours before the game. I'm not making this up. The two parking lots adjacent to the stadium were already full. Two hours before the game. The parking lots adjacent to the stadium were packed full. People had scarlet and gray tents set up. They were barbecuing. I found out later, you know, I'm a little behind the times. They were tailgating, having tailgating parties. They were having cookouts. And I learned later that most of the people in the parking lot didn't even have tickets to get in the game. Yet they wanted to be as close to the stadium as they possibly could. And not only cook it, their children 
little babies dressed in scarlet and gray. Had hats, Ohio State. I thought, did I die and wake up in heaven? What a way to raise a family. And they had TVs. I know you're not going to believe this. I'm not lying in church. Now, out on the parking lot, I might stretch a little bit. But in here, I'm telling you the truth. In in their tents, while they're cooking, they have TVs, and they're showing replays of the games earlier in the season. They were showing the week before, and two weeks before, and three weeks before. And it was crazy, because I'm stopping watching, thinking, is is the game started? Oh, no, this is two weeks ago. Oh, two weeks ago. But they're into it. They're watching replays, and they're into it, and they're saying, oh, watch, watch, he's going he's gonna to break loose here, and he's going to go, all the, like, oh, They were cheering over something that happened two weeks ago. You say, well, we'd expect that from Buckeye fans. Well, I want to tell you, that was exciting. They never got in the stadium. But they worshiped. I can be walking out in your mall down the street here. I can see a guy with an Ohio State shirt on. I won't shake his hand. I won't give him a fist bump. I'll just walk by and say, O-H. And they reply to me, I-O. See, that's code. That's us saying, you're cool. You are too. <laughs> it's also displaying that we are great spellers. <laughs> you can find a guy in a high state Buckeye shirt in February, and they'll talk about the Buckeyes. Season's not even gone, it's over but they'll talk about the Buckeyes. You know why? They love the Buckeyes. They worship the Buckeyes. They praise the Buckeyes. Wouldn't that be cool if you came to church next week on Vision Sunday? You get here early, a few hours. Parking lot's full. People are tailgating. They got little TV monitors, DVD players, of you preaching sermons from 2019. Oh, man, you're going to love this. Man, preacher just hammers it here. I mean, woo! He, yeah, praise the Lord. That was awesome. Your preacher would think you're all on drugs. <laughs> Marijuana is legal in Florida. <laughs> what has my church gone to? No, I'm not suggesting that's the behavior we ought to do, but I am suggesting that you can worship God outside of this building. The truth of the matter is, if you really worship God, you wouldn't want to miss being in the stadium. You want to be with other Jesus fans, if I can use the term loosely. You want to be around other people that love God like you. So it's true. 
you don't have to come to this building and meet with these people to worship God. But if you worship God, you're going to want to be somewhere in some stadium with God's people. So what is the purpose of the church if it's not for worship? It's to make disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. A disciple is a follower of Christ. Matthew 28 says, go into all the world, teach all nations. That word teach means to make disciples of. Baptize them. Teach them all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And remember this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Bible Baptist Church, your purpose for existence is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And sometimes we have to strategize, as your preacher mentioned, a plan of attack. That doesn't excuse individuals being a witness all week long. When you go to Starbucks, when you go to Walmart, you talk about a mission field. You want to see a different group of people, just go to Walmart. You, you see anything and everything and some things you prefer not. We have a responsibility, uh, responsibility individually to be witnesses for Christ, but as a church sometimes we strategize on how we can go out and bring in a net full and reap a harvest of souls. God wants you to do better this year. So let me ask you a question. Will you commit right here, right now, to do better? I will read one verse of scripture every day. I'm just throwing out some ideas of how you can do better. Well, preacher, I already read one chapter a week Okay, how about one chapter, one verse? Because a little better is better than no better. How about pray one minute every day? I'm not talking about for your food, and I'm not talking about for all your troubles, because we tend to pray when we hurt the most. How about just praying because God wants to hear from you? Talk to him. Set your clock. 60 seconds. Can you do it? 60 seconds. Jesus looked at his three best men and said, you couldn't pray with me for an hour? And I venture to say there'd be many in here that would struggle to pray for an hour. But one minute, we can do better than what we've done. Invite one visitor every week. Just one a week. One invitation. And if you're afraid to talk to people you know, hand out a track to someone you don't know. Hey, someone asked me to give you this. Hand them a track. You say, well, nobody asked me. God did. You don't have to say God. Just someone asked me. To, that's a great invitation. Someone asked me to give you this. They receive it. Well, they're wondering who in the world, who's, out, who's in the store that asked them to give this to me. Are you listening? You can do better than last year. You'd be surprised how many in this room didn't invite one person to church last year. 
I'm not being condemning. I'm not being critical. I'm just trying to awaken us. There's a, usually a small nucleus of people that do 90% of the work. And I'm trying to encourage the whole body. Let's engage this year and do better. You can give $1 more a week. You can help one person every month. You can help the church with a project every month. Listen, how about committing to bringing in one new member next this year? Just one. Now, don't wait to December to start. Because you know and I know it takes time for people to make up their mind. They need to come. If they come to this church, they're going to love you. How can you not love this people here? You're very lovable. They'll get in and say, sure, I want to join the church. Do you believe what we believe? No. What do you believe? I'll believe it. (laughs) You know why? Because they sense the presence of the Lord and the love of God. What you're doing is you're preparing their heart, the soil, to receive the word of God. And then they hear the gospel and they're saved. Woo! I want to tell you, you folks are already on that path. But I would encourage you, do better. Get involved in a ministry this year. Don't be just a, a, a fan. Be involved in the ministry. Do something. This generation, they give trophies to kids. They don't even win a game. One of my favorite movies, if we're allowed to talk about that, do you know which one I'm talking about? Well, you can clean up my mess after I'm gone. <laughs> I don't watch much TV. It's not because I'm spiritual. It's I have the attention span of a gerbil, so I can't, I can't sit very long. But every now and then, someone will tell me to watch a movie or I see one on an airplane, and then I'm hooked on it. Well, there's one movie I have seen that if you haven't seen, invite me to your house because I want to watch you watch the movie. It's hilarious. It's called Parental Guidance. How many have ever seen that? With the fundamental, independent, narrow-minded, King James only, red-letter edition, Billy Crystal, (laughs) and Bette Midler, and there's not even a single cuss word in the whole movie. Not one. And he can't handle it because his grandson is playing baseball in a league, and they don't have balls and strikes. Well, they call strikes, but nobody strikes out because there's no outs. And he's having a difficult time with this. And then he appeals to the ump, and he says, how are they ever going to learn the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat? Uh, Well, in this league, we don't keep score. While the ladies in my church, they're caught up with this kind of mentality. They don't like when I say, I love to win. Because that's what, I like to win. I don't play games to lose. I play to win. And I don't like losing, as a matter of fact. And the ladies in our church, they'll say, Pastor, oh, Pastor, please don't say that. Tell tell them you play to have fun. So I do. I tell, okay, kids, we're going to play to have fun. Remember, winning is fun. People want to be commended, they want to be praised, and they haven't done anything. I reminded the people, 
Even a mosquito doesn't get a pat on the back until he does something. You got church members that want to be praised and complimented. They haven't done anything. I'm just saying, we can do better. How many agree with that? How many individually, not your mate, not your children, not your parents. I'm talking about individual saved followers of Christ in this room. You know and you recognize the fact that you can do better in some area in your Christian life. And you know what I'm talking You know what it is. I may not, but you know where it is in your Christian life. There's areas in your Christian life that you know you can and should do better. Would you raise your hand? That's a vast majority of honest people in the room. Now, one more question. How many in here would say, as a member of Bible Baptist Church, I know I could be a better member? Would you raise your hand? Man, that's a good chunk of you. If you'd prepare your hearts this week, you're going to see revival starting real soon here. It may have already begun. Now, how many in here would say, Preacher, if I were to die tonight, I don't know that I'd go to heaven. But I'd like to know. Is there anybody like that in here today? You'd say, preacher, God bless you. I don't know that I'd go to heaven, but I'd like to know. Is there anybody else like that? I'm not playing games. I just, I want to make sure I'm on my way to heaven. Is there anybody else? You know, in just a moment, you could come and, and I'll pray with you and show you from the Bible how you can be saved. Not join the church. You may be a member of the church for all I know. But being a member of the church doesn't take anybody to heaven. You know that. Jesus had a member in his church, Judas, and he's not in heaven today. So being a member even of a good church doesn't secure you a place in heaven. Having a relationship with Jesus Christ does. But I'm going to ask that we just honor the request of the pastor this morning. He asked you, would you pray for him every day this week? That includes today. And I'm going to appeal to the members of the church, let's just start this week on Sunday, the very first day of the week. And let's just have an old-fashioned prayer meeting. Maybe you'll come and pray for 60 seconds. But let's, as a church family, gather around the altar this morning and pray that God revives this church and to help us do better in 2020. And then while you're praying for your pastor, ask God to use you to be a better member in 2020. Is that a fair enough request? I'm not emotionally manipulating you. I'm reasoning with you. And I'm challenging you from the word of God. We can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. And I ask you, how many of you really believe that?
let's see, let's stand with our head. Um, I'm going to ask the pianist to play a little bit for us, music that would be appropriate for praying. I'm just going to ask the church members, let's just gather around the altar today, and as a church family, let's pray. And if you need to get saved, you come to me specifically, and I'm going to show you how to be saved. Let's take care of that right now. You want to go to heaven. Father, bless these dear people. What a precious church it is. And would you work in this church and help us, oh God, to do better in 2020 for that person that needs to be saved today. I pray that they'd come and receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. You've come.